This is a super important podcast about hair. Question mark. Featuring Ryan Teal and Stephen Adams as your co-hosts. Let's begin. Yeah, we're gonna just cancel the classes in May because I just don't feel like people are gonna show up and just kind of. I think hair shows are gone for the year. I don't know. They keep they've they've reset dates. I haven't heard anything though for a long time. Well, I know that Chicago is done. Chicago, yeah, Chicago, yeah, they canceled what last month. Yeah, Chicago canceled. So, and then Orlando rescheduled. Oh, there's there's Philip and Mary. There they are. Yeah. Hey, hey, welcome. Hey. How are you guys? All things considered. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's uh another day. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are where are you guys at? We're in Palm Springs. Oh, okay. nice. Okay. Let's tilt that down a little bit. So you can see yeah. it's raining here. It's been raining for days. Oh wow. Which is so weird. But rain rain in the desert is very different. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get started. Howdy. My name is Steven Adams. I'm one of the co-hosts. Ryan and I are doing this together. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of just kind of like do a few few minute introduction. And then we're going to go into a few questions. Then we're going to do some rapid fire questions. And then we're going to talk about music. Pretty much. Is that a good rapid fire way of looking at it there, Ryan? I think so. Um, and, you know, we can go ahead and include you guys into what the questions are going to be as well. Just so um, you can have like your thoughts, you know, already, uh, you know, gathered your thoughts. And what we'll do is we won't tell Eric the questions we'll just tell you guys <laughs> let him be surprised you guys, <laughs> you guys got on idea. early so you guys have the, 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 better the, than him i like punishing <laughs> there you go um uh, we're gonna go through you know pretty much you know what your history is like give us like two minutes of your history you know both of you um and we'll have eric do it as well and then uh one thing that we we talk a lot about is like you know technology and how has technology um helped or hindered your career as of right now um and then what is next for our industry um we spent a lot of time the last couple of uh, episodes talking about Corona and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's cool if we get off on that subject, but it's, it's also cool if we don't, because at this point it's like flogging a dead horse. Um, and really, then, uh, uh, one thing that we, I love to hear is your guys' stories. Like I love yeah. to hear like, you know, where you guys came from. And one, th- one thing that we're probably going to ask is like, um, who are your, your current like mentors or even friend tours at this point? Um, you know, and or heroes, and who were your heroes, you know, in the past as well? Like, who did you look up to, and who do you look up to now? Um, and I just like to like it because it's kind of like a. I know you guys were on uh, the Masters um, years ago. It, that's kind of yep. the way I, I like to look at this one is, is exactly. kind of hearing people's stories and also like what can help you know hairdressers in the future. Exactly, and then at the same time, yeah. have some fun with it too. And I'd really love to, yeah. we'd like to have multiple hosts, you know, multiple people on quite a, you know, a few times because then we can have you guys talking back and forth and have a really great banter too. Cause I think it's, it's good for everybody to see that we all work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And we love Eric. So. Yeah, well, yeah. I agree, Ryan. And I agree with what you're saying. It's almost like, um, it is like flogging a dead horse. How much more can you say? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry it's happened. I'm sorry that Stallone's closed. I'm sorry that we had to shut a tour down um, way up in the yeah. north 
a wash. I'm sorry about all that, but I'm sorry. Lives are yeah yeah. Well, well, well I, I, okay. What other? What, what else can I say? Um, mm -hmm. we're online doing free education. We're online mm -hmm. people doing. I mean, what else? I I don't have any more answers because this is, yeah. you know, if Fidel was alive today, he would say, "Well, other than the Second World War, I'm sorry this has happened because this sucks." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, I, like I like I've said a thousand times on, on these podcasts, I think this is the greatest time ever to be alive as a hairdresser. Like like I think that we're we're you know kind of like taxi driver, we're cleaning all the the scum off the streets, and yeah. when it's all over. You know, in 10 months from now, we're going to be laughing about all this if something didn't hit us personally, like if we didn't lose anybody, because that's, that's terrible. But yeah. like 10 months from now, we're going to be like, this is what we did, or this is what we're doing now because of what we did during the coronavirus, or or now I have a new relationship because of what happened during the coronavirus. You know, and I, I think that it's, even though it sucks right now, I think it's probably the best time ever. Yeah. You know, could you imagine if we didn't have this technology to, to communicate with each other? This would be terrible. Uh, do you got, um, Eric? You know, this is where so, when you yeah. say I'm hungering down and, you know, I don't see or do anything. But like you said, all that aside, we have social media and technology. Uh -huh. Yeah. So there is a communication channel. Whereas, yeah, totally. When I was a kid, the only channel was a square box with a black and white screen TV. Exactly. That came Again, that yeah. was yep. yeah. uh, so I'm gonna reach out to Eric real quick. You're gonna reach out to Eric. He's doing very cool. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of technologically challenged. <laughs> it oh, happens. I think he's challenged. Do they have the internet in Kansas? I, <laughs> I don't know. Especially Wichita. <laughs> I've never been. I spent a lot of time up there. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys been up to i'm gonna like have you guys been make this to, uh, live now uh no we were supposed to actually be there um the week of the 22nd and we ended our tour on the 17th that moves the camera just so you know when oh, we right. touch the table and it also um like she, mary was saying we had to end what we were doing mm -hmm. and uh park the rv up here at the the house and um, I think that what I what I really like I personally right now, all the years I've been doing this in all aspects of the industry, I want to hear something jovial, fun, mm -hmm. up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think Eric and I can beat each other up on screen. Will be a lot of fun. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> if he responds. It's yeah, hopefully we can get him up and get him part of this. So that would be awesome. Well, I could, I could text him to say, turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, uh, Nick was supposed to be on this as well, but yeah. uh, uh, oh, he that. couldn't figure out. He couldn't figure out the technology. No, they are technology challenged. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna sit down and actually have a lesson with them on Tuesday. Um, yeah, on Tuesday. I'm going to on I'm next Tuesday. Oh, this wow. coming Tuesday, we'll have I tried a little on class. Sunday I, I was on a laptop and Carol was on an iPad and I said, I don't have an iPad. I'm not looking at it the same way you are. So I was trying to help, but that's very nice. <laughs> She'll talk to the computer and you'll think she's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> to know that.
Good luck. Well, Watch can you live Zoom that? It's all right. It's all. It's all good. Yeah, we yeah, all of this is being saved, by the way. <laughs> um, so you know, what I say is, is let's just go ahead and start. Yeah, let's get started. He comes in if he doesn't, then he doesn't. Exactly. We we we, we we're here. Say where are you? No, I said where I have, the hell are you? I would say even, you know he is historically late because he's been. <laughs> No, he, he's super busy and running between places, but right now, there's really not an excuse. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's still a busy time. Well, um, let's go ahead and start. Yeah. Uh, should we just go ahead and roll like we usually do, uh, Stephen? I think so. I think we should definitely do it. Let's kind of go have, if um, Philip and Mary, if you guys like, would love to uh, give us a little history about yourself. Um, you guys are, Philip, you've been in my salon a couple of times. You've stopped in Minneapolis and like wandered through. Um, used to work with one of my old employees, uh, Jamie Plouffe. Um, yeah. And um, so it's like always really an honor for me to have you here with us. And so Ryan, do you want to like tell a little bit about how <laughs> yeah, you Yeah, actually, know? I remember the very first time I ever saw you, Philip, but I, I haven't uh, uh, seen you as much Mary, but I, I know the first time I think I saw you, the very first hair show I ever went to in Seattle, I think it was. No, you know, it might not have been Seattle. It might have been the ISSE, no, ICE, International Cosmetology Expo. I remember the the Altieri brothers were there. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> and, yeah, and you were doing, I believe, like the, the double um, brushes. Like you're, you're cutting hair with the double brushes. And I, I think I was just barely in beauty school. And my ex-wife took me to the hair show. And I remember like, that's pretty fucking cool. Like, I want to go. I, I think I bought some of those. I think I have the, the like some of those from back then. Like I, I collect, I collect like historical, like, you know, tools. And so uh, I think I might actually have a set of brushes somewhere. But I always thought that was super cool. And I always wanted to, you know, like, like get to know you. And then what was funny is, uh, you know, we keep bumping into each other, like yeah. on the show circuit. Like like forever. Like I, I ran into. Oh, there's Eric. Working with Let me Paul admit Mitchell him in. When I was working with. Oh, is Eric coming in? Yep, Eric should be joining um, us here. Oh, fantastic! And I, I know that I, I ran into you that. So why don't you give us a little bit of your guys' history? Hello, Eric. How are hey, you? Hey, Eric. Hey, good man. Sorry, I'm late. How's everybody? <laughs> That's all right. Uh, wait a sec, Ryan. There. Who the hell is that? Instant. There is uh, Wi-Fi in Wichita. <laughs> <laughs> well, there definitely I, is. I had to leave Wichita to get it. So, <laughs> what's happening, boys and girls? <laughs> Not much. I, I was just going through about like the the, the very first time I ever saw um, Philip at, uh, at a show, and and how like I wanted to go buy some of those brushes. So I could cut hair like that as well. But uh, so why don't you give us a little bit about your history, Philip, and then we'll roll into you then next, uh, Eric. Sounds good. Yeah. Being that I'm that much younger, a lot younger than Eric, <laughs> <laughs> on camera, I look um, awake and Eric looks like he's just dragged his ass out of bed. But um, Actually, I got up really early. I just forgot about this damn thing. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love this. Um, how did I start out? Um, it was late 60s, London. Um, I had a very unusual upbringing. I had a really hard one. There was a 10 in the family with the parents in a two bedroom hangout. And it was pretty rough and hard, but there was a lot of around where I grew up was, there was a lot of creativity and a lot of a lot of passion for what people were doing, but just there was no money. I mean, we were we were piss poor. 
But I, um, and I tell this story, I don't even know if I should even say it because I'm bored with saying it, but um, I was sort of pushed into hairdressing. I didn't want to do it. I really, mm. I thought it sucked. I thought, why the hell someone want to do that for a living? Um, because my mom dragged me to the salon and um, where she worked. And I ended up shampooing these old women with cigarettes out their mouths, <laughs> falling asleep under the dryer, legs apart. And I thought, God, what a, what the hell is this? But then I realized after a while, I would go home with a lot of tips. Now, mm. Eric Fisher, don't add to that. I got tips for being <laughs> a good shampoo boy. That's, <laughs> that's basically. I know, I know you real well, Philip. Don't forget that. <laughs> 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 but I won't say anything because Mary is there, and I love Mary. Okay, I like you, Philip, but I love Mary. Okay. <laughs> I, do you know that I know that for a fact? <laughs> I love you too. The minute you said that, the first thing that comes into my head was pervert. But never mind. <laughs> Moving on to, uh, I I had a letter given to me as a kid at school, um, not finished school, obviously, and, and the letter was. Uh, given to my mom and she goes, well, that's it, your education's over. The letter basically read, um, we think that the English school system uh, would think more beneficial that Philip no longer attended school. <laughs> Which I thought, was, yeah, I thought that was real nice. <laughs> I really did enjoy school because I found people, you know, when you people say and do things, but you're already, you go there all faster than them. So I was always regarded as um, an arrogant little prick, but I actually wasn't. I just got bored with people real fast, real fast. And then I made my way to London on a post train. Now for you younger ones, that's uh, where from the South of England to London is a train that goes through all these stations with bags of mail on it, heading into you know the Waterloo or Victoria Station in London. And it used to slow down enough for me to jump on, have my backpack on, and I used to head off to London. I was probably 16, I think, something like that. And I always wanted to work in London because even the limited amount of um, viewing on television we had, it was always exciting. And I wanted to work for one person at one stage who was called Teasy Weezy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Ramon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I used to watch him... Um, you know, he had a cloak and he had the goatee, the Salvador Dali look. And everywhere he went, he went with an entourage of people and beautiful models. And <clears throat> he was the first hairdresser in history, world history, to do a video, mm -hmm. a live account of opening a salon in Brighton, which is down along the coast of London. And he opened the salon by cutting the ribbon and and it was all over the television. It was amazing. Everybody was going like, you know, a superstar hairdresser. And he had a race horses that were at the Ascot races. He had a French chateau with a swimming pool. And I thought, yeah, I, I could take his throne quite easy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I met him and I worked with him. Um, as a shampoo boy and a roller setter. That was my position. White okay. coat, dicky bow tie, pair of shoes. And I had to set all of his clients. 
but you went, you set it, then they went under the dryer, they came out, you slowly unrolled the set, put a bobby pin in and walked away. He would come up with two Mason Pearson brushes and do his like Liberace shit that I thought was a little bit over the top, but he dressed hair like the waves were like, they went in like Monroe type looks where it was, I used to stand back going, oh, what? <clears throat> And I made a couple of comments once, and but I got fired from that. But but I learned a lot while I was there. But I always wanted to be with with Vidal because he was the cat. Raymond trained him, and then there were four people: Ricky Burns, Leonard, Vidal, and Heinz Schumi. And I wanted to be in that group because they were the gods of Knightsbridge. So. I went to the Davis Muse um, Academy, which was also a working salon at the time. And I put my nose in to look out and this guy walked out and his words were quite shocking to me. He's like, get your fucking nose off my window. I've just windexed at you little prick. Get away from here. And I went, oh, that's not, that's pretty anti-social. By then I thought I'd be, I'd be like the bee's knees in London, but it ended up in um, Maurice Tidy. Mm -hmm. And when Maurice was like 20s or 30, you know, today him and I are like 150, but it was like, he was incredible. It, it, it was a big learning curve and I ended up being very close to Beverly and Alain and Vidal. And then there was an offshoot group that went off to South Moulton Street and it was set up by Russell Williams and Paul Garrett, Peter Aldridge, and they all headed to Harrods in London. And um, I thought, right off I go. So I ended up working in Harrods, um, which was quite a blast because I thought that's where the royalty get shit. And so I was there working and then I went and lived on an island. Now I know Eric's gonna be real, he's gonna mess with this, but I'm quite prepared. I was hoping actually that he couldn't find the on switch and he wouldn't be on here, but he is. But <laughs> it was like, I went on a private island. We have, we have island. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I knew it. I, I, so on, these, on this island were all the royalty. They're called the Blue Bloods. And um, for, for a while, I ended up... Um, going on these private islands in the English French Channel, doing hair and dressing extremely rich people, countesses, barons, uh, Queen of Denmark, um, other royals. I became the guy on the islands that, you know, I said that clothes, the makeup, the hair, I would get all the, they would then go to events on the island that were, you know, quite prestigious. And I was like the guy that, I stayed there for a while looking after these, you know, these old farts, but they had an awful lot of money. So they taught me a staggering amount about life. You can't imagine. In a period of a year, I would be in front and in the bathrooms of mansions on islands. I would be in bedrooms, getting them dressed and working. You know, their, their husbands were very influential royals but the wives were bored and I was like the guy that made them feel happy. And if right. Eric Fisher adds one, <laughs> I'm going to which 
with an 18 foot barge pole and I'll leave the rest there. Um, and then I ended up um, going to Canada, to Vancouver, which I found the most beautiful city in the world. And I worked there, then I opened up um, with JP, a very cool group of salons. And um, we were television every Monday doing makeovers. We were high end rock and roll. We were really the boys. The only unfortunate thing was um, we spent all the money. You know, we never <laughs> were extremely close and um, we had boats and cars. And I mean, if we made a few grand that month, we, if we made 20, 30 G's, we spent 40, 50. <laughs> and, and after, a, you know, eight years and I became a Canadian, I said, I met a guy um, who was named Robert Hall, who was the, uh, I think vice president or something, at Lanza. And- um, Was this Robert DeLanza day? Yeah, down in Azusa. In okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I flew down, they flew me down and said, would you like to be the international artistic director? And I went, yeah, I don't want, I mean, I need something, I'm broke. Um, <laughs> just running a salon. In there. We had, we had uh, I think it was 30, 32 stylists, four colorists, five colors, because David Blue was the head, five colors, two receptionists, and we were making this. Now, guys, you got to remember, this is the 80s. This is not yesterday. And I bet we were cruising about a million and a quarter, mil and a half, and, uh, but we spent a million six. So we he didn't learn your lesson from the first one. <laughs> we were into the creative side of things. And then when I was in, uh, you know, in California, being moved by this Lanza company, um, I met this girl, and um, I fell madly in love with her. <laughs> okay. He was um, shut up, Eric. She was uh, vice president. Easy to do, definitely. She, <laughs> she was vice president of sales and education, and um, at Lanza. So. Yeah, that's where we met. That's where we met. And then... Because um, I worked for Lonza like, like much, 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 much later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool, man. It we really... were part of the very, very early yeah. days. So yeah. early okay. 80s to early 90s. Yeah. And I was there eight, 10 years. He was there eight. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then they put my name on, you know, uh, formulated by Robert DeLanza, uh, tested by Philip Wilson. So my name went on the balls all over the world. And... Mary and John Bertarelli, who was one of my guys in Vancouver, we did have a fantastic team um, in Vancouver, like a bitchin' artistic team. We, I mean, we were doing avant-garde stuff that was, and Chris Barron and I were real close, although he was over on the island in Victoria. Um, him and I used to jam out avant-garde, and you know, we used to win some really cool. Avant-garde was cool in those days. Like really, um, you really tested your creativity. So, and then I sort of like bypassed that when I got into the corporate bullshit. You yeah. know, you get into it and people go, well, we want you to do this, that, this and that. And, and you do it, but quite frankly, um, 
And Mary and I have been with some of the world's biggest companies. Uh, yeah. In so how do how do how do you guys know Eric? So, so how does how, how do you guys like like where do your guys uh, uh, we, cross, Eric? Yeah, Eric. How do you guys know each other? Uh, Philip yeah. was my assistant for about fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> in Wichita. In, <laughs> just said he met you at a strip joint. I remember watching Philip at a pill show in Wichita, Kansas. And he was just, not only was he so talented, but he was just, uh, you know, enigmatic. He was, he just commanded the presence of the audience and he was a great showman. And, and I thought to myself, of course, you know, he was only about what, 30, 40 years older than me. I thought, wow, that guy, I want to be just like that guy when I grow up. <laughs> and the truth is that I was, uh, I thought he was extremely talented, but the, the fact that he could command an audience as well as he did, and he was all his classrooms are always packed, even to this day. And I mm -hmm. thought this guy has got some special magic happening, and uh, and he always has. I mean, he's just a natural. So I followed him, and then uh, you know I was the creative director for uh, Joico in LA for about eight years, mm -hmm. and I think he was tailing uh, off of Lonza at that time, and uh, would go watch each other, and uh, would have drinks in the bar, and we became good friends, and and then one summer. I get a call says I'm coming through your town on a in a Winnebago I want to stop so <laughs> um, he came and Mary and uh, we drank a case of wine that night the, the <laughs> and uh, it took me a week to recover and uh, so we've been we've been great friends ever since so what's a little bit awesome. of your history Eric I've got to tell you it's you know <laughs> I I Eric is and I appreciate what he said, because we, we joke with each other and we've done it all over the world. But the bottom line to it is that he is a very rare, rare in this industry. Here, here's my thing in the industry. And, and please don't take this the wrong way, whoever's listening, viewing or whatever. But it's and, and we talked about it just before we went on air. It's it's time for a smile to come back. It's time for some light at the end of the tunnel. It's time for the sun to glow out. But it's also time now, and, and we call it, it's almost a reset. It's time now for us hairdressers, and I'm 50 years doing this, so I think I have a right to say this, is that it's time for us to listen to us. Agreed. I don't know how like that, that would happen, but it's time like for it. us to listen to us. And, Eric is one of the people, not only a freaking great performer, awesome artist, but man, what, he knows business like no one in the industry. So if yeah. you can put a three-tier concept together, um, creativity, business, and charisma, he, he's, he's kingpin, man. He, he's, he owns the throne as of today. And I think people should read what he's written should watch what he does and should listen to what he says because he's a success story so oh definitely definitely i the very first the very first show i ever saw was and i've told you this a thousand times eric because like the very first show i ever saw was eric and he was on stage i'm like yeah okay I, I i can be a platform artist i'm like i can't be a hairdresser i'll never be good behind the chair I want to do what Eric's doing. Um, and I, I told you that that one time I was in here, me and you and Oscar on stage that time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We did a nice little show together. That was fun. 
Well, hey, I appreciate those great words, Philip, and I, I agree with you. I think we, we need to take back our industry. Uh, I feel like I've been the luckiest guy on the planet. Uh, I've been married for uh, 30 years, um, seven different women, but married for 30 years, <laughs> <laughs> four children. Uh, I, I get these reports every night, uh, about two dozen reports. And we have four salons, a beauty school, and a company called Prosper You, and all my reports are blank. And for the first time in my life, I, you know, and I've got plenty to do, but I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't know what to say. I'm just nonplussed. I'm just moved. The fact that I, I had to lay off over a hundred and, uh, and 30 people uh, or furlough them. And it, it's a heartbreaking uh, situation. And my staff has been fabulous, but my mom was a hairdresser. I started off watching her uh, work in, in the salon, and uh, my dad was military tough. They both came from poor families. You know, we grew up not as poor as you, Philip, uh, but, you know, it, was a, it wasn't great. But uh, my dad was always in a bad mood. When I watched my mother work, uh, people had such a heartfelt sense of appreciation for what she did for them, and, you know, they just loved her. And, and I always thought mom was in a good mood. She was passionate. She had all these you know, wise things she'd say. And I just thought it was cool. So I went to college for about a year. I was a music major, put myself through school, working nights. And then uh, I realized I thought I was really talented. I realized I wasn't as good as I thought. So I said, well, I'm going to go to beauty school. You know, I'm just going to do it. So I went to school and uh, I had a girlfriend that was a hairdresser. And she was, I mean, it was so much different than my mom's place. It was hip. Music was great. And uh, girls were cute. I saw the movie Shampoo and I thought, God, this is fat. What a fabulous business. I'm the luckiest guy. And then my dad said, well, if you're going to do this, uh, you're going to be really good at it. And he was taking some planes over. He worked for Boeing at that time. We moved to Wichita, Kansas, and he was a test pilot for the Boeing company, although he never finished high school. Uh, he was military, fought in two wars. But uh, so he took me over to London, dropped me off. Here I am, you know, 19 years old, scared shitless. I go, what do I do now, Dad? He says, now you're a man. You're going to figure it out. So anyway, I uh, I went down to Davies Muse to, to uh, but also since never taken a cab before in my life. And here I am stuck at Heathrow, scared to death. But, uh, you know, when, when I saw what they were doing there, and uh, I just thought people from all over the world were, were you know, coalescing together, producing these amazing freaking things it wasn't it wasn't a commodity driven business it was exciting it was fun and uh and, and i just i drank that kool-aid and it, you know i won't say i was a natural but i got it you know uh i mean it just it didn't come easy for me but i knew how to work hard because i was a i was a musician so i practiced really hard and uh and i got really good and i and i was fortunate enough to to work in great places london paris uh, I used to work on a boat in Greece all the time. I hit those islands, working for magazines like Cosmopolitan, and I love that. That 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 was a gig I had for years. I'd go to to the Greek Isles. Of course, you're a young kid. You're you know you're e eating good food, drinking ouzo. You don't even know how good you have it. Girls, <laughs> I mean, exactly. you know, for me it was a gig, but it was it was a great gig. But now I I look back at my life and I go, you know, the only problem I I had back then was I didn't appreciate what I know now, you know, if I would have known how great it was, but yeah, I worked in Denmark. I worked in, in, in Stockholm and I just loved it. And, uh, you know, uh, I got married, I got married in the Vatican in Rome. 
I did the show in Bologna. We went down to Rome and, and I married a girl from Wichita, but I was working in New York at the time for uh, for Roger Thompson, who was a Fidel Sassoon. Oh, yeah. And I had to audition for the job, and it was a really hard job to get. I worked with Brian Smith. You guys know Brian. And we shared a little flat together. And then my wife, she did not want to move to New York. She'd come visit me, but she said, you know, let's open a salon. I go, you know what? I barely finished high school. Um, I, I can't even spell PNL. I, I mean, open a business, <laughs> get a degree in microbiology. And uh, but anyway, I uh, came back to Wichita and stayed in her sister's basement for about a year. Where we found a location. Then I started cutting all these smart guys' hair. The founder of uh, Rena Center, the founder of uh, of um, uh, Pizza Hut, and uh, and my good friend Jamie Coulter's taken a couple companies public and. I went to business school, you know, they would tell me what they were reading, what influenced them. I paid close attention. And thank you for saying that, Philip, about business, because I took a deep dive. I went to war. I said, I'm going to be the best. And and I, you know, looked at financials and, and uh, dissected them, understood cash flow, all the stuff that it takes. And knowing the culture piece was, I've always been a, a pretty nice guy. So the culture piece came the easiest for me. The business piece was a lot harder. I still don't enjoy that, you know, to this day. But what I do enjoy, enjoy are the relationships that you have with people, not just clients, but the people you work with and understanding, you know, uh, that it's really the relationship. I love being a good hairdresser. Don't get me wrong, but it's the relationships that really drive everything in your life. Yeah. And uh, so for me, you know, like I text, I called one of my girl's father, my stylist father has uh you know, the virus and he's 60 years old. He's in great shape and he's been in ICU for, and I talked to her every day and she, she cried and she said, you know, I can't believe my best friends don't reach out to me like you have. And, and I do it not, not, you know, I do it cause I really care about her. She's a fabulous person, right. but you know, keeping in touch with my styles, having them keep in touch with me and the school, you know, I've got a hundred and I think 80 students that we, you know, we closed down. You know, I had tears in my eyes. And students, I give, by the way, and this is something that people think I'm absolutely nuts for, but every student that's ever gone to my school gets my phone number. And I want to hear how they're doing, if I can help them. I mean, I, I'm, you know, my sense of purpose is all about that students. So that's why I do it. But uh, I, uh, you know, I get, I got a text yesterday from a student says, I know how hard this is for you. And God bless you. And, and uh, you know, we're going to get through it. She was consoling me. I said, here's a little 19-year-old girl consoling me. I love it, you know. <laughs> uh, I, awesome. I could be better off. And I lost, you know, I lost a lot of my net worth with this uh, damn stock market and all that. But you know what? It's simply a byproduct of my hard work. And it's never the reason that I get up in the morning. Like you uh, and Mary, you know, and you maybe you too, Ryan. Uh, I mean, I don't know. but um, money is, 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 a it's a, it's a validation of your commitment to what you're doing. It certainly yeah. isn't the goal. So for me, you know, uh, I mean, getting a little older to work as hard as I do, but I still love, I still love it. You know, uh, it's still fun. I still cut hair behind the chair two days a week. I work 60, 70 hours a week and I, and I love it. And I love the, you know, Ryan, that you're such a good hairdresser, great stage performer and all you guys, you know, I'm not, I've known you guys for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love the industry for the mere fact that guys and girls, of course, that's what I mean by guys, you know, that we produce 
such a influence on everybody, all of our clients, the people we meet, uh, the people that love us. And uh, I just think it's the best business in the world. And anybody that's not a hairdresser or an esthetician should go to beauty school. Exactly. Who you are, what you do. So anyway, that's I agree. I agree. I feel like it's the only industry that allows you to believe that you, you chose to become a hairdresser as opposed to, you know, like, like, you you chose to go to beauty school. You didn't choose to become a hairdresser. This is this is one of the greatest industries. Yeah. Um. So so not to change the subject because I think it's actually a really good transition that you kind of led into, uh, Eric. Which you didn't even know what we were going to talk about. Um, <laughs> no. But what is next for the industry? So yeah. you know we uh, uh, Mary and I and and Philip and Stephen before you got on were talking about you know how you know, this is a horrible situation going on. This is, this is, you know, and, and this is going to go on. I mean, no, it's going to go for a while. No telling how long it's going to go on. Um, but what's going to happen is this is such a transition for our industry that, you know, what's going to happen with our industry now? What, what do you guys see? All three of you, what, what do you guys see? Or, or four of you as well, Stephen, what do you guys see is going to happen with our industry from here on out? What is, what does the industry look like now? Mary. All right, so I'll go first. Yeah. No, no. I'm good. So <laughs> there's going to be a consolidation of our industry, right? So I believe that there are people who were already really struggling and they, unlike Eric, were not having the money meet mm -hmm. the end of the month already. So, and maybe already had a small business loan or if they pulled themselves out from the scenario behind the chair, they weren't making any money. So those people are going to seriously look at their business and say, is it worth it for me? And maybe they should be and that that's okay. Right. And then there's going to be the people who thrive and love and, you know, are seeing the benefits and the return. Cause as you said, and everyone has said here is that the return for us is so much more than being about money. Right. So Correct. we are about, the people. So it was everyone saying, you know, well, you don't make a lot of money maybe as a hairdresser, but every day you get to go somewhere and do something you love and meet new friends. And so all of those things still exist, right? So I think the consolidation is going to be those people who were already struggling. So the ones that weren't and are able to step out of their business can now really look at it and say, okay, what can I do better, be better, paint some walls, redo the floors, who, how are we going to market when we come back? Oh, exactly. How is our customer? Because there's a lot of debate on the chat pages about raise prices, lower prices. So to me, you have to say, who is my customer? Are they still working? If mm -hmm. you have customers who are still working, they can't wait to get back in the chair and they're going to spend any amount of money. So who are your customers? If your customer is the girl who is the waitress at the corner pizza shop, you may have to lower your prices or you may have to do something to specially promote when they come back. So if you know who your customers are, you can figure out what is the right scenario for you. Some people should be raising prices. We can elevate the industry now in a way that has never been possible before. Mm -hmm. The amount of morning shows where people are buying clippers and trying to cut their own oh. hair, using sprays, hopefully mm -hmm. to just cover the regrowth and not using box color at home, even though box color is up, they're going to need to fix that. And they're going to have a higher, greater appreciation higher for their stylist. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But I, I think you should also, um, Mary comes from a place of, of 
tremendous understanding about people and about the industry. Um, and you should listen, like, tell them where you, how you started it, because. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Really. I can do that really fast. Unlike these two long-winded. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. You, have so much. All right. you both have so much. I have so much respect for you both in so many ways. So my mom was a hairdresser, too. So Eric and I have that in common. All three of us have that in common. Yeah. And when I was seven years old, I decided that that was what I wanted to do. And then when I was in school, because I had never cut Barbie dolls or friends hair because I had such respect for it, I realized that that just wasn't, I didn't have that creative eye, which it took me years later once I started traveling and doing shows with Philip to understand that what I was missing was that creativity. So I'm very technical. I'm a great teacher, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I don't have the creativity of someone coming to me with long straight hair and saying, do whatever you want. I didn't have that vision. So I couldn't see myself doing that every day. And so I decided I became an instructor. I was a recruiter for the college. I'm originally from Iowa. So also from the Midwest, I moved to California, um, started working for a product company. So again, same thing. I got out to California and I was like, well, if I couldn't be a hairdresser where I lived, I certainly can't be a hairdresser somewhere where I don't know anyone. So I had an, I went, I read an ad in the paper, you know, it was the paper that showed you how <laughs> Did they even have those anymore? the Thomas guide book <laughs> that went from page to page, like your map, the old <laughs> Thomas guide to find the place for the interview. And I got the job also hired by Robert Hall at Lonza. And I was there for 10 years. So I started in outside sales and left as a vice president of sales and education. And then that's when Philip and I started our own educational production company. Wow. And then, you know, over the years. So Eric, you forgot to mention the Global Salon Business Awards too. So we got to spend time, a lot of quality time together um, in Barcelona as well. So um, I worked for Paula Kemp Meehan in the early 2000s yeah. and Kristen Farrell. Wow. And I was the North American ambassador right. for the Global Salon Business Awards. And that's where... And they, they judging for that was through UCLA and everyone mm -hmm. submitted these really intense dossiers and their P&Ls. And honestly, that was the first time for me to see globally what a small percentage of money that salons actually had right. at the end of the, you know, at the end of the P&L. So that was a, a really interesting time for me. And we met, you know, some of the most mm -hmm. outstanding, incredible um, global hairdressers. So, yeah. yeah. So I've been in the business for 35 years. And as Philip said, he's 50. So together we have over 85 years amazing. developing wow. products, marketing products, developing education, you know, just loving what we do every day. I was yeah. you never aged though, Mary. That's what I want to know. What's that? You never age. You look <laughs> like you did when, when I first met you. I mean, you're, you're amazing. Well, I appreciate that. I did a really good blow dry today to cover up those grays. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's cold. Out of bed. I don't know what time or day it is. And exactly. Yeah, you need some Wilson collective. But I'll get right. right. Yeah, my my son, you know, he goes to KU. He's nineteen. I tried to get him to go into the business, but he's a really big kid. He says that I'm too big to be a hairdresser. He's like six five, two thirty. And uh, he said, you know what? When I don't wash my hair, it has so much more bodies. <laughs> so so what do you guys think of, of what's going to happen in the industry like, like eric and philip because well, I, mean, I, I totally agree with you 100 mary 
um, about what's going to happen. And, and I, I definitely think that, you know, marketing, not marketing, the market is what needs to dictate, you know, our prices, not our egos. Yeah. Um, so aside from, from, you know, the, our, our prices, what do you, what do you guys see? Like, like what, what would you like to see happen within the industry in the next couple of years because of this transition or, you know, whatever? You well, know, you want to go first? Eric, why don't you jump go in? Steven? No, I was going to say, Eric, why don't you jump in? Okay. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that Mary's right. The, the, the bad operators are going to be out of business. You know, when you, when you own a business, you have to wear a lot of different hats and understanding the business part of it, not just being an entrepreneur or a hairdresser is vitally important. And a lot of people, you know, make the majority of what they do by standing behind the chair. So they don't really are not good operators. So I think the bottom 20 or 30%, not just of our industry, but of all industries are going to fall out and, and be gone. I think, you know, we're in a time of doing hair where models are more difficult. You know, we have class every Tuesday night for, for our, uh, you know, for our staff every Tuesday, we never miss for 30 years and used to be the models were fabulous. Now it's hard to get house models to mm -hmm. want to cut their hair, want to color. I mean, we'll go, colors are great, but nobody really wants great haircuts. So I think a lot of people fall out and this is a tough time of, you know, not, and I'm just saying, I don't like it. I love beachy waves and all that natural stuff. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of um oh uh patino what was his name i can't think of his name jacques Dessage and mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, those guys way back in the day the french day his beautiful mm -hmm. hair yep. outside really forced but not nice stuff but it's not strong and and i like strong and i think you guys like strong too and we teach it in our school and and we have a, a clientele of every age group and sometimes we force really good little short disconnections and you know not just square layers little graduated nice and tight little graduated bobs but that kind of work is is almost moribund these days you just don't see it and uh i think that the kids unfortunately never reach the sweet spot in their careers that's why so many of them quit being hairdressers they never reach the point to where not only do they not have the technical skills but they don't they can't look at somebody and say here's what you need to do you know define your brows and blend your eyeliner a little bit more let's put some highlights around your face and you know what your hair is entirely too long for your body shape and we need to take it up and and we need to do this and we need to do that that kind of you know, that kind of situation scenarios are gone. Uh, I mean, we still do it. We still practice it. But for these newbies, it's all about, well, what would you like? It's about this individual approach to mm -hmm. beauty, which has gone too far, in my opinion. Um, you know, and order takers. They, they, yeah. They've become order takers. Yeah, not yeah. Consultants. yeah. And, and I'm yeah. still, and then when the client thinks you're being a, a good leader and doing your job, sometimes they're offended. So I think that the audience has changed a little bit. And so has the, the, uh, the hairdresser and the esthetician. But I think that, yeah, there'll be a shakeout, no question. I don't know what's going to happen with all this time. You know, I mean, we, we do Zoom for our students. We've got user groups with Prosper U, other schools, and, and we, you know, we put long hair dressings, cuts and all that, which are great. We're still trying to, you know, uh, educate our, our user group, but it's, it's, it's harder. And I think education is going to move to more long distance and competency-based learning as opposed to, you know, checking in at the schools. You know, there's a kind of a lack of uh, commitment and a lack of capability. And um, and I think that, you know, we're going through a period where it'll get really good again. 
And mm -hmm. I just want, you know, like you guys, you guys are all great. You're very talented. So you, we've reached our sweet spot. You know, we can look at a head of hair and make magic. And, and a lot of people can't do that, you know, and they're in it just for the money or they're in it because they thought it would be fun. Their motivation isn't quite honorable, if you know what I mean. They got into it for the wrong reason. So those people are going to drop off and drop off, you know, and once the, once our, once the client can define what quality is, then I think that, that people that are good and talented that have the right yeah. training will, you know, they will flourish with this, this business model. And I don't know if it'll be this year or next year or even the next year, but um, I think that's going to be a big change. And, and Philip, you and Mary are in manufacturing now. And, and I love what you're doing with the collective and your game plan. But, you know, I sat down, I, I, I still talk to a lot of manufacturers and I said, you know, what you can do is, is help out, you know, make the margins or make the deals better, or make the, the buying a little bit, uh, uh, easier and maybe you do maybe you do direct ship to the customers but not at our expense you know and and uh, and I think that model has got to be reinvented because I mean you know Target came out with a what a nine dollar shampoo that's supposed to be fabulous and conditioner and gels I mean they're they are trying to steal our marketplace from oh, yeah. us Mm -hmm. And uh, it used to be when I was a brand new hairdresser, 90% of all retail came from the salons. And, and now it's probably 30%. We do a million and a half in retail every year with, with my location. Wow, so I'm that's really, amazing. I'm, I'm a big advocate because retailing is, you know, it is five times more profitable than service sales. Yep. You know, with services now, it is so tough as we have, you know, 401ks and two weeks, three weeks paid vacation and mm -hmm. health insurance and four paid holidays. And so my margins are shrinking and shrinking, and shrinking. And, you know, we do 10 million in sales. So we've got enough that even a small margin, we can make a profit, but it's harder and harder with retail. It is, you know, it's like an annuity. The clients buy it once, they buy it again and they buy it again and again. And I've got, you know, hairdressers that get, get, uh, you know, great sales and commissions from salons they don't work at because people are coming in buying retail. So that that has got to be a big deal. Manufacturers have to realize what a big deal that is. It's the most profitable part of our business. And, uh, and so I think, you know, what do I think? You know, I think things have gotten really soft and rents have gotten high and it's difficult and we need to reinvent ourselves and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, these people that have, have leased stations, I'm not against it, but if you haven't been reporting your income, guess what? Go to unemployment now and, and you get your ass kicked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Our main bank. I mean, we have people that make over a hundred thousand a year plus benefits and they are, Hey, this is fun. Not working. I'm still getting paid. I'm not making <laughs> as much yeah. as I was, but you know, I'm doing pretty damn good. Yeah. And, and I'm more than happy, you know, that they're doing that, that they're successful. So I think, you know, will the business model ever be real relevant in this industry? I don't know. Uh, we run ours like a business. I know other guys that do. do. And uh, it's it's so important. And you want to take care of your people with the right benefits and the yes. right things, the right education. People need to be educated. So that can never stop. And for me, it's our lifeblood. It's our passion. So my creative director, Trish Duell, is you know we have a always doing little videos just for our assistants we still do the old-fashioned apprentice program you go in you work your ass off 
Now, we pay you for education, we pay this, we pay that, we invest a lot of money in our assistance, and, uh, and everybody does that, is, that does the same thing that we do, and, and sometimes they don't wanna stay with you. They think they're good enough that they can go out and lease a station and make it, and then they realize they can't, you know? And that's the unfortunate thing. So they need to be intrinsically motivated to want to, want to be more, have more, and do more, not just to be an independent contractor. Because there's so much more value to me, to a good culture of a great salon. That's, that's what I think, because, you know, we have that. We have over 100 hairdressers that, you know, I never lose anybody. They love it. And, and, and culturally speaking, you know, great culture is, you know, you're, you're, you're dedicated to like-minded people that have the same standards. Right. It's self-policing. When people don't fit in, they don't make it. And then they leave you, you know, so, and you want them to leave you. Don't get me wrong. That's so <laughs> true. That right fit. So, so true. You know, and once you have it, it's great. You know, I tell all young people, find a mentor, find a coach, find somebody that is really talented and, and hang out with them, do anything, you know, get up early, stay out, stay there late. Don't take lunch breaks, work your ass off. Don't ask for any money. Don't ask for a raise. Don't, don't, you know, do towels, sweep the floors, demonstrate the kind of behavior that super successful people have. And you will yep. indeed be super successful, but there's a price to pay. And, you know, people, they just don't want to pay. That's a good, that's a good point. A really I, good I love point. what you're saying about finding a mentor. And, um, I we should to talk about mentors. mentors a little bit. The what? We should talk about yeah. mentors. Yeah, I, I want to, and I, and I want to ask uh, uh, Philip. You know, we talked a little bit uh, uh, before we started. Um, who would you say that you looked up to? Who were your mentors in the past? And then who are you looking up now? I use a term called friendor because it's hard to find mentors now. You know that you look up to because I've done almost everything I wanted to. Now it's like like people that I, I look up to are like my friends. So who? Would you say, and, and present company can be excluded, so you don't have to say Eric, um, <laughs> but, but who did you look up to? And then who are you looking up to now, Philip? Um, who did I when I was a young um, I know you said Teasy Weezy, which I, I think it's yeah, awesome well, that you met him. Exactly, I, I think it's amazing. Him. Yeah, I, um, I just like Eric, I had the opportunity as a, <laughs> a hairdresser. Um, I work with Alexander in Paris. I mean, oh my. Oh, man. No, not, not Alexander of Florida. Florida. Yeah. Right, right. And no offense. Like Eric was saying, I was, I, I don't know if it was, I didn't push myself. I was told what I had to do. And I was a sweeper. I did the toilets. Uh, he had three levels in the center of Paris, beautiful, beautiful location still today. And he was my, I wanted to be him so bad because he was like, he had the ability of taking Italian dressing, architectural London work, and then turning it into his own flow. And um, I, I, he was on the mezzanine on the third floor. I was just a scruffy little kid, but I, um, lived diabolically bad uh uh but when i was sweeping around the bottom floor was like a hundred stylists and the second floor was like 50 art directors all in like savile row suits and beautiful jewelry and all that and i'm going oh that's pretty cool and then on the very top was him um with two others and you weren't allowed up there because it was a elevator to the private. mezzanine 
and uh, later to become a spiral staircase down. And I used to watch him night after night after night. And because he did such, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, I mean, he did such influential people. As a young boy, um, I would volunteer, like Eric said, I would volunteer to clean the freaking shit house and, and do the floors and do everything just so I could watch him at night. Because he used to work from like four or five till midnight. His creativity came at the end of everyone else's day. Never understood that, but he was genius. And I watched him with like two Mason Pearson brushes and a razor design bobs and, and movement and incredible, but I was never allowed up there. And so as a young boy, I thought one day I'm going to be him. So he was number one. And um, 30 odd years later, more probably, Mary and I were working for a very influential company, L'Oreal, and we were in Clichy in Paris. And um, one of the very high execs after lunch says, well, I'm going to take you and Mary to a place and, and I'm going to introduce you to someone. And I think you'll be very impressed. And you go, okay, great. Off we went. Well, lo and behold, it was his place. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. I instantly, I'm blown up because I'm scared to do Isn't it weird? Here we are pretty prominent in the L'Oreal world all over the world. And here I am scared to walk in the door. So we walked in the door and Mary and I are standing there. And then he says, oh, well, he'll be down in a moment. And then all of a sudden you knew he was coming. And he came down these spiral staircases looking absolutely freaking fabulous, like Dolly on a steroid. And he walked straight up to us and said, Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh. <laughs> I lost it. I, Mary was there and I totally lost it. I, I remembered him. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I that's awesome. That's so great. Story. I yeah. didn't know what to do. I think I pissed myself. Um, I just, so that was my. So who do you look up to now? That was my guy. Then, of course, Fidel, Ricky Burns, yeah. um, Leonard. Uh, Roger, fabulous. Annie, fabulous. Uh, Flint Winthrop, fabulous. Paul Garrett. That was, I, I realized, like Eric said, sometimes you don't realize the hub that you're in until it's later in your life. Exactly. Right, Eric? So, so true. So true. Yeah, as a young guy. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by, you know, the world's finest artists of all time. And I'm in the middle and I'm, absorbing everything and here's one quick thing that i really learned everyone told me and videl told me this when eric barry and i were in barcelona <clears throat> and i was with videl and we had a great deal of love for each other and when mary and i were chose to do his memorial uh at naha which mary produced and i did the i went on stage with vivian and maurice and um <clears throat> fernando romero I realized that you reach certain levels, but when I was sat with him at the pool, I don't know how Mary, everybody off doing business things, he just sat there. And I walked out and I, I, don't, I didn't know he was there. And he goes, Philip, come over here. And he's there and he always looked so freaking cool. He's in his early eighties, but you know, he, he just was cool, man. He just owned, 
Yeah, he had a speedo. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude, how many people? Were... But he looked fabulous. And then in the evening, he would just wear a black two-piece Savile Row suit, a white shirt that was done by Jalian, who was in Savile Row, was the shirt maker for the super, 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 super rich. And you knew it was him because there was a monogram on the side and the and it was open and he'd wear a pair of sneakers without laces, black and white. Pair. Converse. Right, and yeah. he looked amazing. And I'm sat there with him and he says, so, okay, um, do you feel that you've done it? And I didn't know what he meant by that, but it was, he says, look, what I showed you as a young boy, young man, Go and do, and I said this to you years and years ago, do not copy me. Do not be me. Be yourself. Yeah. Do not copy what I'm doing. Use it as a blueprint, like an architectural layout. And then when you're building the house for my architectural blueprint, design something different. So I went off in a tangent where I started cutting, you know, as Ryan said, with brushes. That mm -hmm. was Alexander comb. with comb compression. That was Leonard. And then Ricky Burns was someone that said, you're not very good at balancing. He was the international art director for that. He goes, you don't know how to balance a haircut. I said, no, I don't. I'm useless. I get a beautiful side, a shitty side. I can never balance a bloody haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched you do this something with a comb show me and i was in knightsbridge in his location and i got very intimidated because he was just like you know studio 54 and everybody went to him and he goes show me what you just did um late when everybody was gone i, I was a young stylist for him there i said well i use a comb to he says but what are you looking for i said the light beams and that was Alexander. What's a light beam mean? Well, the light beam meaning that Mother Nature's direction is changing. So I place the blade in, then I bring it down with a comb, turn the comb in at a 45, and I can balance a haircut to perfection. He says, here's his words. I, I'm just saying, where the fuck did you pick that up? And I said, well, Alexander, then why did you not show us? And I go, because everybody makes fun of me. And he goes, wrong, wrong. It, you, you just do it different. Stay that way for the rest of your career. And I don't think there'll ever come a time that you will retire or call it a day. Well, lo and bloody behold, he was right. Yeah. I do it different, but you've got to be prepared. And this is what I want to say today to all the young designers, the ones that have come out of Eric's Academy, phenomenal academy, brilliantly trained but here's what i want to tell today one length cutting it and color is not the freaking answer to the future <laughs> of our industry stop it learn how to graduate learn how to balance learn asymmetric learn how you look at a face and then when you look at a face remember shadows from above not below so design profile become an artist a craftsman so who do I look up to today? I look up to people like Eric. I look up to, it's very difficult for me because 
it's been so long that I've been doing it different that I look for people that do it different. I, of course, love Rob Labetta. Mm -hmm. I love Robbie very much, um, admire him immensely. But I'm now turning into how do I make my creative world financially rewarding? That's it. And who do I look up today? I have to be honest, very few people because Instagram and Insta fame is somewhat put a shadow over that. Agreed. I yeah. agree. I agree. Agreed. Sorry, Mary. Who did? Mary. <laughs> no, no, no. That was great. Yeah, uh, Mary. Who who did you? Uh, uh, who were your uh, uh, mentors, and who are you looking up to now, Mary? Okay. Me. Right. <laughs> I look up to Philip when he sits on a pillow. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> Before you got here, Philip was telling us how he I look taller than him and he didn't like that. So we got him a pillow to sit on. <laughs> so I honestly the people over the years I've looked up to, you know, so many amazingly creative people. I look up to people who are always changing and who are open to growing and learning and today the people that i look up to the most honestly are salon owners who are you know given their all every day to to create the experience for the client and my admiration is is really for those those friends of mine that i know that they have the passion and they are always willing to share just like eric and Bonnie, Conti, and Rowena Yeager, and, you know, just mm -hmm. all of exactly. Linda Baker at True, you know, all of them mm -hmm. now scrambling. The bigger your businesses is, the harder it is to figure out your next steps. And all of these people just give their all every, every single day. So that willingness to be flexible and continue to be interested instead of trying to be interesting. Um, yeah, so I, I still look up to a lot of people and- admire everybody that's out there giving it their all every day that's awesome right. eric how, how about you eric yeah eric how about you who are you, who did you look well, up to and you know when i was a kid you know of course it was this the same same people you know i i uh you know trevor sorby from london was trevor was great vidal said of course you know, and, and Philip and Mary, you remember when we had uh, in Barcelona, this first time I met him, I had dinner with him, with you guys, and that was su such a treat. Uh, I mean, I was just taken back because he was such a fabulous guy. Uh, Irving Rusk, uh, Dwight Miller, when I was with Zotos mm -hmm. trained me, he was such a fabulous hairdresser and such a great coach and trainer. Uh, the French guy, Julian Dees, I still love his work. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. I remember... Um, you know, uh, I didn't work with Christian, but we hung out a little bit in New York and he was a wild Dutch guy. He's the first guy that started shaving heads. It was amazing. He mm -hmm. didn't have a beauty license, but he was had such a good eye. You know, his technique, you know, is loose, very editorial, sloppy, but, but I, I learned a lot from him. So I think that you, you can learn so much. And I think that, that and I love what you guys are all saying. I, I think that the best people at whatever they do, whether they're writers, makeup artists, hairdressers, uh, mechanics, I think they're collectors of other people's thoughts, their ideas, their thinking. And I think you take all that input and you amalgamate it all in together to, to be you, you know? And, and, and I, 
I love to steal. I, I've you know, seen Philip a million times. I've taken so much of his great stuff and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I make it mine, you know, Ryan, you too, you know, and that's just what we do. So my deep appreciation right now is in photography. So I take a course every year. I follow, you know, Stephen Mizell and an old uh, Italian photographer named Paolo Reversi is one of my mm -hmm. favorite shoots with a big uh, Polaroid. Uh, you know, Mario Testino, the, the, uh, the wonderful Italian photographer. I mean, there's so many great way. And then you look at it and the thing, like I talked about the sweet spot with, with hair, it's the same way. You've got to be intimate with your subject matter. You've got to look at it. It's like if you went and looked at a, 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 a Da Vinci painting or, a, um, you know, a, a Caravaggio, Caravaggio painting, you can't just look at it. You you have to like stare at it and look at the the, the the intimate parts of it where it's light and dark and the way the light wraps around the subject matter. You've got to learn. And and that's what I say with hairdressing, makeup, anything else. You've got to learn to be intimate, to really understand. There's an old saying that, you know, we look, but we don't see. And that is so true. You know, we touch, but we don't feel. And we listen, but we don't hear. And I think that, you know, somehow we need to get back in touch with those those things so we can we can really appreciate, you know, what we do. And 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 then you get better. And when you get better, you love what you're doing that much more. Right. So when people drop out or whatever they're doing, it always discourages me. So I think, uh, yeah, mentors, are you kidding? I, I look around at a at a, one of my assistants has been out of school for a year and they do something so fabulous. I go, I want you to teach me how to do that. You know, right. Uh, anybody can be your mentor. You can learn so much, but you should have a coach. You should have a mentor, no matter what you do. I do with photography, uh, you know, and I get better all the time. Yeah. And now I think my work is pretty good. If I, I'm on Eric Fisher hair uh, is my Instagram. And, you know, I post not, not a lot of photos, but, but enough that you can kind of, you know, see that I've gotten a lot better over the years. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's awesome, Eric. I, I and I love your uh, photography. I've been I've watched your photography oh, forever, and thank you. You I always have somebody at, at the Nahas, the students, and and uh, I thought I thought you guys kind of got ripped off this year. Um, well, you know what? Yeah. I did have uh, my esthetician student, uh, one makeup artist of the year. So I was really happy. Oh, nice. oh that's that. awesome. So we didn't right. do the hair this year as strong. We didn't get in, but we did do uh, the makeup. I had three girls in her makeup for the first time in 13 years that we've done that. We, we and uh, she won, so I was very happy about that. We were cheering for you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. No, it was really that's really awesome. So I have a few questions just to final up a little. We're gonna call it like the rapid fire questions. Um, first of all, really quickly, last color or cut you guys did. What, what was the last color or cut that you did? All right, Mary, go. Mary. Yeah. Uh, this is my client. Uh, <laughs> I used the finger elevation all the way around the sides, and then I kind of did some point cutting across the top. Perfect. Perfect. Uneven, Mary. Oh, wait, that's just his head. Sorry. He did not take the color code. Oh, he's going to go get his model in the garage. We can oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Oh, Excellent. You, you said rapid fire. Philip doesn't know how to do rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> rapid fire. Eric. Uh, my, uh, I shot this little uh, wig that not too long ago. It's a silver wig, and I colored it a little 
you know, with a magic marker, just kind of a, a violet color. I cut the base out and I had a girl that shaved their head and she was a student, really pretty girl, Hunter. She models for me and I just plopped that down. Looked great, took her picture. Nice, that's awesome. All right, Philip, what do you got for us? Well, mine is, I still am a big fan of the old shag. Oops, Savage. This, this is my, um, this is what we've been working on. Nice. And it's just classic, very simplistic, done with the Wilson method. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's Very awesome. Beautiful. Can't Very beat cool. that. Can't beat the classics. No, not at yes. all. What's your favorite color and how did you incorporate it into your branding? Favorite color. We did not. Didn't. My favorite color is blue and we did not incorporate it into our branding, <laughs> but we have okay. incorporated it into our home. Yes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We incorporated green into our branding because we have a key ingredient that's from the rainforest. So we have more, more green. And as you can see, we have green in our home as well. Nice. Favorite color. What's your favorite color, Philip? Uh, favorite color. What is it, Mary? I don't know. Blue. <laughs> I just love, I just love blue. I think blue is just yeah. happy. Yeah. When I see a blue light on, I feel happy. Excellent. That's Look, I've stopped. Yes, Mary. Eric, well, how about you? Eric, uh, I think it's blue too. You know, I love blue. It's 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 calming. It's great. Uh, sometimes I look at my face in the morning. It looks a little blue. Too much wine. <laughs> uh, blue has always been calming for me. I work for Aquage, which is a blue company. So I've always enjoyed blue. My wardrobe. I've got a lot of blue clothes, so I like blue. Nice. Ryan. Yeah. Me? Yeah, you. Oh. You know what's funny is I, I feel like my favorite color changes like like almost like quarterly. Um, but my go-to, I hate to say, is black. Uh, I, I think I just tend to like keep, I don't know, just a hairdresser thing. And, and I, I look skinnier in black. So yeah, <laughs> probably black. <laughs> I like red as well. I, I love red and I love red heads. I mean, yeah. I love red heads. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. I personally like orange. I've incorporated it into every branding that I do, even yeah, a super important podcast branding. It's like cool. orange is my favorite color. So I don't know. I figure it kind of like goes into everything. All right. Employer rental. If you're going to open a salon tomorrow, employer rental. Employee. Employee. Absolutely. Unless you just want to be a landlord. Yeah. You yeah. are employee. I say employee too, just because of the cultural effect and you know longevity and everything that goes with it. Ryan, I've only ever had employees. Um, if I was to do it again, if I had, like you, Stephen, if I had a employee situation, I might look into doing a rental just to see if there was more money behind it. <laughs> and I've done, and I have both, <laughs> and I would say I prefer employee. That's where I work. You know, yeah. I love, I love both, but it's like realistically to creating the culture is truly comes from the employee where you can have total control and really like guide people into having a really amazing career. Uh, last one goes into our music question at the end, which is vinyl or digital? Digital. Oh, digital. Yeah. digital. We have some vinyl, but digital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm digital just because it's so much easier, you know, <laughs> on the yeah. go. Ryan, 
Oh my God, I'm vinyl. I I, I have I have probably ten thousand records. Oh my God, you know. congratulations! <laughs> I don't have that many. I only have about eight or nine hundred, but just vinyl. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. Great. Vinyl oh, is Ryan, the way to go. Ryan, so yeah. that means I can come over and we can play frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them, yeah, like, yeah, definitely, like some of them. Well, we can bring our some of them. all right do you want to ask the last question ryan last question uh what is on your guys's um you just say you know like top five you know bands that that you're on a deserted island that you have to listen to i'm not saying that so much right now just because we're in quarantine so what is your what is your five bands that is on your playlist for your your quarantine playlist right now what are you listening to right now that that you know that you have to listen to essentially well go ahead he really just has one (laughs) i i am because where we live just say it is uh it's his backyard of palm springs i'm a sinatra fanatic okay 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 cool yeah and I listen to pop, so anything, anything pop. So we only have one um, Apple iTunes account. And when I'm riding my bicycle, all of a sudden my music stops and he's at home <laughs> Frank Sinatra. I'm like, I text him, stop it. It's my, <laughs> I'm riding and I'm listening to music and you're trying to interrupt me right now. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I listen to every, I listen to pop music. Um, she does. Yeah. She's very interesting. And I listen to Sinatra at least once a day. Okay, okay. I just love the Rat Pack. I just think they were just the coolest cats in the 50s and 60s there ever was. Come on, bring it back. No, definitely. Oh, exactly. Eric and I can be- Eric, how about you? I'm, you know, I got to say I'm with Philip. I've got a, a, you know, station I play called Pink Martini and it's Frank and, and, uh, you know, uh, Edith Piaf, it's old French music, uh, you know, and, and I love that, uh, you know, uh, 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 I love that stuff. And I did a, a job with uh, Peter Lawford one time, he was part of the Rat Pack, and uh, I did his hair and makeup for a gig one time, and he was the nicest guy, and I said, God, I'm just so enamored with the Rat Pack. I, I don't know, maybe it's our generation, uh, Philip. I don't know, but, but I love it, you know? When you see the Rat Pack, even when they were just, even after performing in Vegas or wherever they were, and they were back here in Palm Springs, they were just like, cool, just cool people. That's yeah. awesome. So it, cool. like nothing compares today with that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Don't be sorry. So uh, to wrap it all up, you know, you guys, I really appreciate it. I, I this is definitely, you know, um, I. I kind of, you know, when Stephen and I were kind of brainstorming of people that we wanted to put on this podcast, we were talking about, let's do a Legends of Hairdressing. Um, and I know that we wanted to get Nick on here. We were trying to get Sam on here as well. But, you know, the thing is, I, I think that we actually lucked out in having you three. Um, you're definitely legends in the industry. Exactly. Um, I've always looked up to you personally. And from the bottom of my heart, I really, really do love you guys. And um, I appreciate you guys being on this very, very, very much. Yeah, I th- really want to pleasure. thank you guys for being on. It. It's really I could have done a little less of Philip. I'm still wondering why you brought Eric on, but that's Philip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, could you imagine if there was more? This would be like five hours long. So you're- oh, I know, I know. But-
but but yeah. actually it's perfect on like like it's it's nice because I know that we have you know multiple you know episodes of this and I wish that we could you know chat with you guys more and I I know that in the future I'd love to like chat with you guys you know on on you know specific things as well because I mean I I I meant I asked you guys who your mentors were and and I will say you know both of you um have always been mentors of mine so you know yes. I'm, I'm I feel lucky Likewise. that I was able to have you guys on. Thank I you, feel man. very honored to have you guys here. And I'm not joking. When I, although Eric and I, over all the years, everywhere joke and joke, um, he really he is a mentor, and I look up to mm. to him. Likewise, yeah. Philip. Likewise, thank you. So much you? love. Thank you so much again for listening to the super important podcast about Eric.